Hi, I'm Rachel England, and this is Brain Yapping, Battle Damaged, a podcast where me and my friend and renowned neuroscientist Dean Burnett discuss all matters mental health, because 2020 really did its best to kick the crap out of ours. Hi, Dean. Hi, Rachel. How are things? How's- uh, well, pretty much the same as always, yes, although, I uh, so. <laughs> although I woke up this morning to the news that um, in a move that is definitely not electioneering, uh, <laughs> the Welsh Government have decided to move the goalposts a bit with uh, lockdown restrictions easing. So that is nice, I suppose. Yeah, it's a positive for to. us. I mean, I get people say, well, it's electioneering. And yeah, but I don't really mind so much. Yeah, but exactly. <laughs> I don't care. Like, fine. Yeah. I don't care. I do not care what the agenda yeah. is there. If it means that I can just get back to the pub, that's yeah. great. And also, I saw I saw the news report as well, like uh, all the rival parties saying, oh, it's they're playing politics as luxury and they just want people to like them. I thought, literally a month ago, you were saying you're not using the lockdown fast enough because England's doing different things to us. So I think you, you haven't got any leg to stand on when it comes to playing politics with this stuff, guys. Come on. But now. also... I love the idea that, oh, they're just trying to get you people to like you. That, I mean, is that not exactly what politics is? <laughs> Pretty it's much like, 24-7, yeah. Vote vote for the person that you like. I mean, that's that's where we're at, right? Yeah. Vote for the constant kicks of the nuts party. That'll, uh, that's not really a winning slogan, is it? So, well, exactly. So, yeah, so yeah but um, that's, that's obviously a, a little ray of sunshine. Mm. Um, otherwise, a lot of sunshine right now, yeah. It's quite mm. sunny out. It's nice. It is. It, deceptively mm. cold, though. Mm. Deceptively cold. Also, um, I think it's worth pointing out that since we last recorded one of these, we, you are now an officially published author, which is nice. Oh, my God. Really it's good. true. I am. Yes. Yeah. It's um, it's amazing. Like, it's the, the culmination of all of the work of last year. Mm. Um, and, like, without wanting to sound too woe is me, and I recognise that this is absolutely a first world media darling <laughs> problem. But, like... <laughs> Obviously, the book was published, Everyday Activism, if you're just tuning in for the first time. Please do. Plug away, please. And um, and I woke up on, on publishing day and I was like, cool, my book is out. And that was kind of it. And like I had Zoom drinks with some friends and did a little Zoom reading. And, mm. and that was it. Everyone was like, well done, Rach. That's great. And I got some cards and some flowers and then it was done. Yeah, it's. Re- I find that as well because like I've, I've got a few books out and it's really weird. Um, even even when it's not lockdown time, when when my second book was published, I was like, my wife took the day off. We were going to go into town and uh, we just walked into Waterstone, saw a copy of it there, and I, okay, I mean, no one's clamoring around, like no one's acknowledged it. That's that's fine because it's like it's a book now. It's just out. There's no, there's not like one. It's not one day's worth of celebration and. I think I come from the blogging background, whereby you know the Guardian. If a blog successful, you know, in the first like six hours or something, cause yeah, things just push it aside. And I'm still used to that, even though books don't work that way and never have done. So exactly, that's mm. actually you mentioned like the whole taking the day off to walk into town thing. That's one thing that I really kind of missed as well is mm. the whole yeah like, really parading around the bookshops and being all like, mm, look, that's me. <laughs> um, but again. Like first world problem, I recognise that is entirely for the benefit of my ego. So yeah, I think you should tell people uh, how what happened in your virtual launch because I, I really quite enjoy that story. Oh my god, is this <laughs> okay? So well, very very quickly had a had a little virtual launch just for sort of like friends and family and people I know in the biz, and um, it was being compared by my friend 
Lowry, who mm-hmm. is a, you know, she, she gets repeated mentions in our podcasts and things, yeah. isn't she? And she also features in my book, Psychological, so uh, as, as to you. So, you know, she's, yeah. she, she's part of our world. Yes, yeah, so she's, um, she's just holding up our careers. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I asked her to help sort of compare it. So I wasn't like doing all of the yapping. Basically, it meant that I could go out for a cigarette and just drink lots of wine. And um, part of the part of the launch was we were playing a game of like environmental would you rather. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was it was fairly innocuous comments like, would you rather live in the desert or in the Arctic? Uh, would you rather give up public or give up flying or driving or that sort of thing, right? And somehow, I don't understand how this happened. It kind of like devolved into this game of would you, was it fuck, marry or kill the <laughs> desert, a forest or Iceland or, or an, uh, an Arctic environment? And I don't know. I don't know how we got there, but I was just acutely aware of the fact that my father and my uncle and my former English teacher from high school was sat on this Zoom call, just like horror sweeping over them. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I've lost control of this. This has definitely gotten away from me. I mean, for, for what it's worth, you know, we, we all had a very good conversation and it really did actually bring up some some interesting points that were certainly pertinent to the climate discussion. Mm. However, I wonder if um, the framework of fuck, marry, kill <laughs> yeah. could have been toned down a little bit. Yes, um, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, would I have intercourse with the tundra? Should, should, well, this is it. Should I mean, it now, now I, th- I think the key takeaway from this is that my dad knows that when faced with a choice, I would fuck a desert. <laughs> I mean... The logistics alone are challenging. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I just don't care to think that he's given it any consideration. I'll be honest with <laughs> no, you. No, let's, let's hope not. No, no, that's, that's, but I, I quite enjoyed that as a thing that happened, uh, just for its own sake. Very well, exactly, it. and I suppose it, it did make my sort of like quote unquote book launch slightly memorable. <laughs> well, I certainly but remember it. So that's good. This does actually sort of wind around to what we're going to be talking today a bit tenuously. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just talking then about like blogs um, and, you know, getting feedback pretty instantaneously, different with books, obviously. I'm sure it'll come. I'm sure I'm sure the well actually brigade are there, like yeah. rolling their sleeves up as we speak. You have done um, a book about climate change and uh, that you, you will get uh, comments, uh, shall we say. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll course, get some feedback on that from. Um, but yeah, so feedback, right. And. Hmm. What we're going to talk today as uh, about today as an extension of that is criticism. Mm. Um, and I would say in a very sort of like roundabout way, this last year, pandemic year, has been really good for criticism all round. <laughs> and I'm not yes. I'm not talking necessarily about like criticizing um, you know, perhaps like the way the government's handled the situation, although that is absolutely a thing. Um <laughs> But criticism on a more individual level. So people that live together, couples that live together or families, for example, have never been so in one another's pockets as they Mm. have been this last year. And I think that's opened doors to all kinds of insane criticism that people might not have considered before. For example, I don't know, the way people eat their food, how people make a cup of tea. You know, when you're faced with that all the time, you suddenly you're like okay, this is actually something that's annoying me, Mm. criticism. And then 
um, and a sort of wider level, criticism of the way that other individuals are handling the pandemic. So, for example, the mask wearing or lack of, for example, mm. people that aren't observing social distancing and lack of. Um, and so criticism in general and how we as individuals respond to it. Yeah, it's really quite uh it's quite a telling one, isn't it? I mean, I think I've mentioned it a few times off mic in that we've had some reviews of this podcast. They've been mm. mostly positive, uh, but there was one which was mixed. Um, I say, don't want to mention the guy now because I, I went on, so I talked about it on record and then we realised, oh, he might have uh, issues of his own to deal with. So I didn't want to, you know, throw something at him. But it was, you know, I took it quite badly is perhaps a stronger word, but I wasn't happy about the fact that he, you know, our first episode, he reviewed it and sort of took issue with my approach to you know, grieving and reacting to it in, in, in the public sphere when you know, the Black Lives Matter movement happened and I felt I couldn't grieve. And he was like, well, that's not how it works. And I felt genuinely annoyed by that. And I felt I was okay to talk about that. But, you know, if he has his own issues, then fair enough. But it's weird how that, that got to me. I think it's because I was talking about something deeply personal to me, which I don't do usually. And to have that criticised was like, hang on, I think that crosses a line here. But... So everyone has their line, everyone has their own you know, criteria for what counts as criticism or not. But on neurological level, and criticism does sting. Like I've said this in a few of my books, that the idea, you know, sticks and stones break my bones and names never hurt me. That is not right. That is wrong. Mm. Because when people reject us or criticize us or find us lacking in some way, it does cause a, a, a really powerful reaction, or at least a significant reaction, in like the parts of the brain, anterior cingular cortex and stuff, which is where we normally process pain. Like It's not actual physical pain. It's not quite the same as that, but it's in the same ballpark. You know, it's psychological pain. It is a general feeling of distress and dislike and discomfort. Because we are such social creatures, we, you know, most, well, I mean, most, at least a great deal of our identity is tied up in how other people view us and see us and approach us and regard us. So when someone says, I don't like you, or, like, or, or some variation of that, it tends to, it lands. It causes a powerful reaction. It can be even when it's a stranger being rejected is really quite potent. And they've done mm. studies like people playing virtual games, and if they're rejected, like by the people in the game, if they're getting included, they feel unhappy. It makes them. It causes distress, and even when you think it shouldn't, like they've done some studies, a version study where it's black people being rejected by others who are officially said to be members of the clan. And you think, well, you don't want to be <laughs> embraced by those people. Those are awful people. But just mm. the, it's just the act of being rejected does cause a, you know, a palpable response in our brain. So, you know, criticism is genuinely quite quite a powerful effect. And just saying, like, oh, ignore it, just leave it be, is perhaps, you know, it's, it's too dismissive. It should be acknowledged for what it is, I think. Surely, though, it comes down to... Um... Well, uh, how how you manage criticism or how uh, how individuals manage criticism must come down to um, the stock or care or consideration value they put into the thing for which they're being criticised. So a moment ago, I mentioned like lockdown, everybody's living in each other's pockets and we're all critical of each other. For example, um, I guess making a cup of tea, somebody is like repeatedly leaving a dirty teaspoon on this by the sink and gets criticized for it uh okay shut up who cares do you know what i mean it's just how i make tea it's not that big a deal yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but then if somebody criticizes you in a way that sort of um 
I guess pulls at the strings of like your inherent values or your self-perception or the way you feel about yourself then that is wildly different isn't it um and I wonder this is one of the this is part of the basis for such divisiveness around things like as we mentioned believing in climate change for example or wearing a mask during a pandemic being criticized for not wearing a mask pisses people off because they feel like it attacks them personally in their belief system yeah totally and there's a big part of <clears throat> i mean the, the, the significance of criticism will come from let's say how, how much value you place in the thing you're being criticized for yeah because i mean i think we just saw recently like people furious about the what the european super league football teams betraying them now mm. in the grand scheme of things do you think it makes no difference like this team of millionaires is playing a different game to what they used to play it doesn't really affect my life at all but people really care about football in their teams. That's why you know, football fans tend to get really quite combative when other people say your team is crap. You know, it's not, they haven't done anything. Someone says to you, your football team is rubbish. Like you, you have no part to play in that team. You don't influence it. You're not in it, you're not playing the games, but your identity is tied up in it. You know, the, the group you find, <coughs> pardon me, the group you consider to be a part of is important. You know, it's it, it has a lot of value to you. So, if that's criticized, then you become defensive and you react strongly because it's seen as a threat. It's not just um, you know, it's sort of an objective valuation. It's like this thing which you value shouldn't have value and therefore you're a flawed person for it. Yeah. And the same like with the mask wearing or the climate change denial thing, when that becomes a part of your attitude, your belief system, then having it attacked and criticized will feel really, you know, it'll feel like a personal dig. I think it also will depend back to what you said about you know, living people living in, in each other's pockets who is doing the criticizing um if it's like a random stranger saying i don't like your face like who the hell are you what, what are you talking about but <laughs> if it's like your long-term partner you live with saying like you say like the teaspoon thing now that seems quite innocuous but if they say look you do that it really annoys me and uh, don't do that but that that can be you know it, it seems surface level it seems quite fine but that means like oh well i've been living with you for like six years now and this is the first time it's come up. So have I been upsetting you this entire time? What else do I do, which is which you are suppressing your anger about? And it introduces uncertainty and negativity into your relationship, even in a minor way, and that can lead to further, you know, it has more impact as a result of that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, when I was younger, certainly when I was a teenager, I did not respond well to criticism. I mean, I'll be honest, like blanket statement here. I don't think teenagers generally do respond well to criticism. <laughs> no, it's, it's fair kind enough. of a thing, yeah. Um, and um, certainly throughout like my 20s, you know, if somebody criticised me for anything, I would, I would really take it to heart and like I would react in either, you know, in a kind of like self-berating fashion where I, oh my God, Rachel, you're so stupid. Or conversely, I get quite angry and very defensive. Um, and I guess that sort of harks back to what you just said then about people becoming combative because they feel threatened. Hmm. Um, now, as, as I've gotten older, I've become less likely to sort of respond in those ways. Um, I don't know whether that's because I'm just being criticised less. <laughs> um, you know, I live by myself now, so that could be it. Um, <laughs> other people are not a factor. I can't exactly, help Exactly. That's the variable. Just get rid of other people. Um, but it is, you know, it is something that I'm, I'm mindful of is the way that I respond to criticism. Um, and it's 
perhaps perhaps my sort of like resilience to it has come through my career which is obviously being a writer um and one of the first really tough lessons you learn as a writer is don't read the comments mm -hmm. just just don't do it um some of the nonsense criticism i've had directed my way like i'm i'm as a writer i'm always willing and and happy to accept constructive criticism but when for example i have like i don't know some random guy telling me to kill myself because i'm an advocate for you know positive measures for the environment <laughs> then i'm like hmm maybe it's time i just stop caring what these people think yeah absolutely i mean i've obviously gone through that i obviously write for the guardian and they attract a lot of comments from people who don't like the sort of person who writes for the guardian um yeah. actually we did a masterclass for them once like it was like a, a blogging they called it a masterclass i i would that's not a title i'd use because it just seems self-aggrandizing but like it's like three of us all talking about our various contributions and how we do the blogs we do and he was on stage in front of you know in a conference room and they had projected up and as i was there's a q a at the end and as i was talking to people i mentioned like you do i said don't read the comments even though guardian people said you should definitely go below the, the comments and then engage people to keep the discussion going because i think that brings more traffic to the article overall christ no don't but, do that yeah but well i'm not getting paid for that and <laughs> yeah. it's just a waste of my time and it seems completely you're not getting paid for it and it's, it's just gonna put you in a bad mood yeah, i mean it's just, why <laughs> it's asking a lot for little to no reward so I just stop doing it you know and um because i i don't think it made a difference either way i just think that's something they've they've been told that is the case or whatever but as i was talking on in front of the, the people for this class the bloody um, the guy who was running the desk, he decides to go into one of my blogs and then bring up the comments on the screen. I remember everyone saying, ah, this guy's a wanker. Like, this is a, a fat product. I said, well, wow, way to Why put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why? You got a bollock into that afterwards, apparently, which is good. But um, yeah, but I was like, why? Why is this relevant? And I think I've found, like, I even though I'm reasonably, like, got a decent profile, uh, I know I'm sort of also straight white male, so I will obviously get less criticism anyway just by existing. Mm. But I get a lot less than people expect. Like, you know, you must deal with loads of trolls every day. And I, I don't. I rarely get any flack on Twitter and stuff. And I think my friend of my Martha, who is a social media manager and sort of, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a job, she said it's because you don't engage. She's like, when you do get people having a go at you, you just, you seem to completely not respond. So there's no, mm. there's no fun in it when you, when you do that. So I think... I, I don't like people telling others, no, just don't feed the troll, just ignore them, because that's not what you can do, really. It's not like it doesn't have an effect on you. Mm. And, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I I very rarely these days, I mean, there was a time when I would put a lot of, like, blood, sweat and tears into sort of, like, you know, fighting the good fight and, and, and trying to convince, you know, a lot of these hard of thinking people that perhaps they needed to re-evaluate re their positions on some things. Hmm. Um but actually, I've I just realised that, yeah, as, as we said earlier, it just puts me in a bad mood and it's just a way, it's it just a time suck. Um, so I very rarely engage the trolls, as it were. Um, and I think it's very important to make the differentiation between um, criticism from random people on the Internet. And as you say, you know, criticism from a loved one. Obviously, that's wildly different. Mm. Um that being said, criticism from randos can really still sting. I mean, we've mentioned this before a couple of years ago when I got that pylon from <coughs> Piers Morgan. Mm, yes. And, um, you know, I very much stood by what I said at the beginning. But some of the some of the stuff I was sent was 
horrible. And then obviously there was a lot of the usual, oh my God, you're just a stupid idiot. Fine. Um, but then, you know, there was people like digging into my past, criticising the way I looked, criticising my work, um, like finding out about my relationship history and criticising that. And I was like, oh my God, mm. guys, give it up. You know, and at that juncture, it was about the volume of the criticism rather than like from where it was coming from, you know. Yeah, um, totally. And, and, and yeah. for me, all of the, the volume, the pylon of that criticism did end up having the same kind of emotional impact on me as if my boyfriend had turned around to me one day and just said, I hate your face, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was like a, the volume of like criticism that I could usually shirk off when it was in such a mountainous avalanche, then yeah, it really did affect me. Yeah, of course. When it's consistent, <clears throat> it, it becomes just, you can't ignore it. You can't get away from it. And that's sort of one of the problems with things like depression. They say that it gives... You know, most people or your typical brain will tend to remember the positives <clears throat> pardon me, and focus on the things which give us a better self-image. Like our memory is egocentric. We tend to sort of like gravitate to things which makes us feel better about ourselves. Whereas if you've got depression, that becomes flipped. You know, things which are positive, like praise or compliments, are ignored or dismissed. And negative stuff, mm. even if it's like you know, wildly open to interpretation, someone says like, oh, okay, I'll do it, you know, when... You said you'll do something. That could be just someone saying, don't worry about it. I've got this. But then you might see it as, oh, they're just telling me I'm useless. That means I can't do anything. They don't trust yeah. me. And it's that's one of the key, well, not the key, but one of the main, not even the main, a significant <laughs> symptom of depression, which like it's, it gives that negative mindset, this negative bias. You just, it so your, your interpretation of the situation. Yeah, of course. Uh, but when, obviously, that's when you've got depression, I know you struggle with and a lot of people do but mm. when you actually do have thousands of people telling you you're an arsehole repeatedly that sort of has the same effect surely it just sort of <laughs> knocks you down your sort of well-being a bit because why, why wouldn't it yeah no exactly and i mean i i think we all we all like to take the piss out of influencers and then you know people that sort of make a living hawking products or whatever on instagram but i do think you i mean they get a lot of flack i do think you have to have a thick skin to do that gig mm. um <clears throat> But it's interesting what you mentioned about uh, the relationship with depression, because obviously that is something that I live with. And but on, on my good days, fine. On my bad days, then, as you say, an off the hand comment from somebody I could very easily internalize and interpret in a way that is kind of disastrous for my mental well-being for example the washing up okay i said i'd do it i haven't gotten around to it i come downstairs i find that my boyfriend's done it and he's like don't worry about it it's right you know i was i had some free time and then in my mind i'm like oh my god that just, yeah, he's criticizing me because i didn't get around to doing it in time and that's simply not the case at mm. all but that's just me and my brain my you know my depressive brain fixating on the negative element of that Totally. encounter um and i think it's it's the same for you know myriad other scenarios as well isn't it where like for example if i'm having a, a bad brain day and perhaps i've done my makeup slightly differently to usual and i see a friend and they don't comment on it i'm like oh my god that means they hate it <laughs> that's like a it's like a silent criticism it's yeah. like it's <clears throat> criticism that hasn't even been articulated but i have somehow constructed yeah, no, I, I, again, I don't think it's even a depression thing. I, I was talking about this quite recently with someone else, and, <clears throat> pardon me, it's, you know, 
again, the brain's kind of wired the way to look for threats, look for hazards, look for dangers. Mm. So we are, you know, we, we, it's not, it's not we're very sensitive to criticism in terms of how we react to it, but we're very cognizant of it. We sort of, you know, we, we, we can find it if we're looking for it, wherever we, we, we happen to focus our attention. And I think we talked about this before as well. When what I was talking about was, was like, well, I used to have the Guardian blog and I used to, you know, whenever I could, I'd have friends of mine with something to say, I'd give them a guest post and they'd, they'd be able to I put them in the Guardian on my actual blog. I had freedom to do that. And usually a lot of times happened when I, when I did that and they would like share it on Facebook saying, look, I'm in the, I'm in this, I'm in the Guardian on the website. Our mutual friends would, uh, you know, praise them and say, oh my God, that's amazing, that's brilliant to an extent which I never got when, <laughs> when I actually had my own Guardian blog, which I think is sort of a step up from having a guest post. And I thought I felt like, what the hell, guys? You know, it's like, oh, Dean just did that. Well, that's Dean, isn't it? And you know, but this person gets more praise uh, for doing something which I facilitated, mm. and that used to bother me. And then I thought, well, what do you want, Dean? Why? Why is this bothering you? And I think now, I think realize when someone does praise me, I think, oh, don't be stupid, don't worry about it. And I do keep saying that. So I'm just, people are just doing what I ask them. But yes. it's weird how that feels like people did nothing. <laughs> they literally did nothing wrong <laughs> nothing all they just were nice to a friend who had done a good thing and that bothered me and that makes me think what what is wrong with me and that i have that mindset but it comes it comes back to what you said earlier is that and inherently as as a human speech as a human race we are programmed to fixate on the negative and kind of dismiss more positive things and i think that if you do have I mean, I don't think it even has to be depression to that extent, but if you have like perhaps a slightly skewed self-esteem or you've had some trauma in your past or you've had difficult relationships, so on and so forth, list as long as my arm. You know, if somebody gives you a compliment, it's very easy to go, oh, don't be silly and brush it off. And I think maybe a lot of that's a cultural thing as well, you know, especially here in in stiff upper lip Britain. If somebody says, "Oh, that's you. You look lovely." Oh, sh- oh, shut up! No, I don't. You yeah, know. exactly. It's it's almost it's, it's almost harder to take. And I think, yeah, but- I think it's because the general wider culture of manners, just respectability. It's in by default we are nice to each other because you know even if we don't like them, we just like you know you just got to play the game, only it? it's a social norm. It's like, mm. oh, no, you look nice today. You're like, oh, nice, to, nice to meet you. That's just a greeting. You say that, and even if you don't mean it. Not that it's not nice. It's like, ah, oh, nice to meet you. Like that's that's normally just people saying, "I have met you." I acknowledge yes, this. I'm acknowledging I, that we I have met. Yeah. This event has occurred. Yeah. <laughs> I have no strong feelings on the matter either <laughs> way. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, I am neither over nor underwhelmed. I am simply whelmed. <laughs> yeah, we, we 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 use like compliments as like garnish for our general conversation. So they're a lot more familiar. So we get sort of mm. used to them. So like you, know, you look nice today is almost just a greeting for some people, you know. But uh, so when someone compliments us, it's far more, you know, we're just far more used to hearing that just because that's what society dictates we speak like. So when someone criticizes you, that you're not, you're not normally meant to do that. So it's it, it becomes more significant. It's got a lot more novel and therefore mm. it becomes a lot more sort of, you pay a lot more attention to it because that's, again, that's how we're wired to pay attention to novel things. And here's a thing I found very recently for the chapter of the book I'm writing, testosterone. Yeah, obviously, everyone <clears throat> knows testosterone. It's the male hormone. It makes us big and aggressive and angry. But it, apparently that's not what it does, at least not in humans. It's not about making us aggressive. It just makes anyone... It, it works on women too, but obviously men have more testosterone. It makes you more sensitive and protective of your status. And that's a big thing about mm. humans. Like we, we very social, but we're also very conscious of social status. We want to be liked, we want to be respected, we looked up to. 
when and when we're criticised, that puts that under threat. So we are quite you know stimulated by it. But testosterone makes us more sensitive and aware of our status, and well, uh, makes us more motivated to maintain it. But because humans are quite sort of you know we are complex creatures, that doesn't necessarily have to be through you know fighting people off. In some cases, in played certain games, testosterone makes us more fair and more even-minded because we know as a species we value that sort of thing. We want people to like us. We want people to respect us. So we tend to behave in more respectful ways when we've got testosterone in our system. Uh, but that's not always the case. It depends on obviously what context you're in. But I might explain why. It's usually guys who are very um, quick to scream at someone who threatens their uh, you know, threatens their status by well, existing in a it's, way. It's really funny you should mention this because I, I was I was just thinking about all of these examples of um, Tinder interactions gone wrong <laughs> and how there was uh, a little while ago a kind of like a, a Tinder challenge, which is when a guy gives a girl a compliment just to say thanks or not even to say thank you, but to say, yeah, I know, <laughs> right? Offer no compliment in return. Don't acknowledge it beyond that's, you know, okay, I know. And the number of screenshots that were appearing of a guy being like, oh, hey, cutie, you've got a gorgeous smile. And a woman would reply, yes, I know. And then the guy would immediately go, wow, conceited much? What a bitch. I was only yeah. lying. You don't have a gorgeous smile. You're really <laughs> ugly. Blah, 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 blah. But hurt about it. And so I wonder how that, relates to what we were just saying then about the social norms it's expected that like the the correct way to conduct a conversation is hey you've got a lovely smile oh thank you so much you've got big hulking muscles or what whatever you know <laughs> yeah. um and the fact that that conversation did not go as anticipated sort of was i suppose a threat in some way thus yeah. provoking the the negative reaction Oh, totally. And also testosterone is a sex hormone. It's, obviously, it's, it's a big part of the, the sexual desire and pursuit uh, in, in men. And women have estrogen for similar reasons. And obviously then when you're sort of on Tinder, you're thinking, right, I want to find a sexy person to go out with. Uh, mm. Or, you know, I'm being very sort of di diplomatic phrasing it that way. But you know what I mean. And I therefore... a sexy person to do sex. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you look at, oh, look, there's a sexy person. I will do the thing whereby I compliment her. So I've, I basically like given her a gift. Like I have brought you the shiny pebble and you yeah. must accept it and then defer to me because I have done that. And by saying, thank you, I know. It's like both your pebble is irrelevant and I am not engaging in this. And therefore <laughs> your status is, your pebble is irrelevant. It's a great response to any your pickup line. Your pebble is irrelevant. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> any pickup line, just respond with that. Your pebble is irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for trying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I guess that, that's the perceived criticism, isn't it? Because mm. they haven't immediately responded like head over heels with some gushing compliment. Whilst they have, whilst the woman in this instance hasn't turned around and directly articulated criticism to the guy, you know, the mm. fact that she's responded in that way, I suppose, is perceived as criticism. Totally. He's got his head like, I know this works. I say she's attractive. She says, mm. thank you, which is like, you know, a, a response. And also you know, she'll say something nice to me in turn because that's how things work. And then she'll, no, it's like she'll owe me. I'll, I'll tell her a nice thing. And therefore she owes me an interaction. She owes me deference because I've said that. You know, and... Oh, my gosh. Well, that I mean, that's just like an entire other podcast. Oh, yes, totally. yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not straight down that path. No, you no, will no. be here for hours. No, but again, with the um, again, you can see a lot with the the COVID stuff in that 
there's a lot more rules or expectations about how other people should behave now because there's a pandemic on. So when you see people crowding together outside, like this time last year, people were going to the beach all the time. They were like, oh, mm. these people, don't they know there's a plague on? And it's, you know, it, you know, I was doing it sometimes. Like, I think, well, I don't know these people. Why am I being so judgmental? And obviously, I think I was in a negative mental state, so I wouldn't use my opinion as the go-to. But, you know, there's it, a lot more... Uh, outlet for criticism a lot more targets to, to be there and you can make yourself feel better by saying they did that i wouldn't do that i am better they are bad therefore i feel better about myself and maybe when you're in a you know this highly stressful situation like a pandemic and lockdown you find yourself doing that more because it's it's at least an outlet that you because all the other ones are cut off from you well <coughs> yes and also i suppose it's the whole you know the the enemy of my enemy is my friend and the, this is a time where we're all feeling isolated and alone. And so if we could all sort of like collectively bandy together to to cast shame on others and criticise others, then that is a kind of tribalism that makes us feel like we have some connections. Oh, totally, yeah. That's a big part of it too. Like, yeah, in-group and out-group stuff. While <clears throat> we had all the mask wearers, we hate the non-mask wearers, don't we? Don't we? Don't we? Don't we? Yeah. That's boo and et cetera. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well then, this has been a very um, eye-opening conversation. And actually, I'm, I'm just going to go away now and, and reassure my boyfriend that he is free to continue doing the washing up and it's yeah. not actually damaging my mental well-being in any way. <laughs> Tell him his pebble is relevant. <laughs> I'm like, baby, I love your pebble. Don't worry. He's just going to look at me like, okay, whatever the fuck you mean. Fine. Stop, stop calling it that. <laughs> yeah. I've asked you nicely. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, there we go. I might get right, a t-shirt. <laughs> Your pebblers are relevant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. All right, then, mate. Well, right. it has been a joy to talk to you, and um, we'll chat again next friend. week. Speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. So, here is the outro with the relevant information, as promised. If you want to ask us anything mental health related, or would like to suggest a topic for Rachel and I to discuss, or even just leave feedback or some description, you can contact us via Twitter at BrainYappinPod. You can email us at BrainYappinPodcast at gmail.com or use the form on my site at DeanBurnett.com. Like with most podcasts, positive reviews and ratings are always helpful. So if you are inclined to leave us such a thing on the podcast provider of your choice, that would be appreciated. Uh, this podcast was launched to coincide with the publication of my new book, Psychological, uh, Why Your Mental Health Goes Wrong and What You Can Do About It. Uh, or sort of the subtitle, all about mental health and what's actually happening in our brains when we experience problems with it. Available now at all good book retailers and some of the less salubrious ones too. Not fussy. As ever, Brain Yapping Battle Damaged is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. For more curiously entertaining podcasts, live streams and live events, blogs and documentaries, head to CosmicShambles.com. To support the network, particularly during these times, and get access to lots of exclusive content, subscribe at patreon.com forward slash cosmic shambles. See you next time.